Welcome to 20 Questions on Deadline. I'm Antonia Blythe, Senior Awards Editor. My guest this week is Paul W. Downs, the co-creator, showrunner and star of Hacks, the multiple Emmy-winning HBO Max comedy series. In Hacks, Downs plays Jimmy, a beleaguered Hollywood agent representing Deborah Vance, a seasoned comedian played by Gene Smart, and up-and-coming comedy writer Ava Daniels, played by Hannah Einbinder. In the most recent second season, Jimmy had a Jerry Maguire moment and left his agency. Downs is currently nominated for a SAG Award with Hack's ensemble cast. Well, thanks for making time. I know you're in the middle of a lot of stuff right now, so... No worries. We um, It's a prep day for us uh, for shooting, so it's kind of perfect. Well, um, that brings me to season three. Um, You are obviously in a position to know the planned date of release, but I wonder whether you're going to tell me that. Well, I don't actually know it exactly because Mm. I think, you know, in terms of programming, they want to make sure that I think all of the HBO shows have their their moment so i think that's kind of tbd but i do know we started production um a little bit later this year so we're going to come out a little bit later as well but i I actually personally do not know the premiere date which i did but i don't know yet last time i saw you was at the emmys was such a good day um Mm. the genescence that you created (laughs) gene smart renaissance um Yeah, and you guys were telling me, all three of you were telling me about the fact that season three is sort of planned to, the timeline is a a year after we last saw Deborah and Ava. That's right. Is there anything else that you can hint at this stage as to what fans can kind of expect from this season? Yeah, I mean, if they, you know, if they watched last season, they know that um, Deborah had a new special. Um, that kind of gives her a little bit of newfound relevance, which obviously has its perks, but also its pitfalls. Um, so she's having a bit of a moment. And um, also in terms of my character, Jimmy and Kayla struck out on their own. They quit Latitude. So they are, you know, trying to figure things out. They're trying to get their own business off the ground. And, you know, they're sort of rogue managers right now. So there's a lot of fun to be had with that too. I mean, the word rogue certainly applies to Kayla, my yes. absolute favorite. I feel like the thing that happened with Jimmy and Kayla was such a Jerry Maguire gone wrong. It was Jerry Maguire on acid, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, honestly, I want to quote you. That is right. It was Jerry Maguire on acid. He, you know, he made a stand and had this big moment, but of course, she joined the moment and the wind, I wasn't taken out of his sails, but the, the, it, it changed, you know, the winds changed for them both. So it was pretty, yeah, um, it was a really, we looked forward to that because we knew that was happening for a long time. So we look forward to shooting that scene forever. I mean, she, I just rewatched the the finale of season two and she, honestly, Megan Statler, who obviously plays Kayla, she is just phenomenal in these like pure uh, comedic moments where she there's a great moment where she says uh something like uh something about this woman's ass and jimmy says oh. yeah. and she goes what she's beautiful <laughs> <laughs> nice so, ass bitch yeah yeah she's, um, thank you we're supposed to, it's, this is our sworn enemy um 
And yet she can't help but lob a compliment because let's be real. Yeah. She's got a she's got a great figure. Can I say that? She's yeah. got a great figure. You can. You absolutely okay. can. Yeah. Okay. And I love that I love that uh Kayla just yeah, she she's ruining Jimmy's life and it's hysterical. Yeah. Um <laughs> so I I also was thinking about, I remember a while ago you told me uh the origin story of Pax. And I think mm. the three of you were in a, a car. Well, is yeah. that right? On a road trip? That's right. We were you mind on me a road telling trip. the story of how no, of course. I did. So Jen Statsky, Lucia, and Yellow and I were driving from Boston to Portland, Maine, because I was shooting a Netflix or a, a sketch for my Netflix special. And um, they both came along to help make me funnier. And uh, <laughs> as we were driving, we were talking about um, a lot of the female comedians that we love that, um, you know, didn't get the same kind of opportunities that their male pa- counterparts had, um, you know, um, Phyllis Diller, um, Paula Poundstone, Joan Rivers, of course, you know, all of these sort of iconic people that, and, and some of whom I think the general public might not even know. And we were just talking about how it was so shitty that female comedians didn't have the same opportunities that male ones had. And also what it was like for people who were maybe younger than us that didn't know people who, um, you know, came before them. I mean, even for people like me, it's like, you know, you, we saw, we we got to know Joan Rivers doing um, red carpet fashion stuff, you know, more so than having seen her stand up because that was before our time, way before our time. Um, and even though I, we're, and because we're in comedy and comedians, we of course knew more of the place that she held in the Pantheon, but we were just talking about how, you know, um, it's just interesting that there's like cool comedy and then there's people who are cast aside. And so the idea for the show of this young comedy writer to be sort of forced to work with an older comedian that she didn't fully understand was really exciting to us. And so we sent an email on that road trip and that was in 2015, which is really wild. Um, Then every time we got together, we were pitching on the show or talking about the show. It was just something that we really wanted to make and something we wanted to watch. And so even though we had a bunch of other stuff going on, when we finally all had a moment to pitch the show, we had been talking about it for five years. So we had so too many ideas, honestly, too many ideas. In fact, in the pitch, Susanna Makos, um, Hermetio Max, who bought the show was like, you guys can stop, I get it and I'm in. So that was really cool. But uh, yeah, it, it, it was a long time in the making. Mm-hmm. So you and Lucia are obviously partners in your personal life and in your professional life. Um, and I'm just curious as to, do you have like a, do you have to have an off button where you go, okay, we, we've got to stop because, you know. Uh, we we try, we try to have an off button. Um, but it's also, you know, there's, again, there's like, sorry, you're hearing a little pitter patter in the background, maybe. Maybe you're not, maybe you're not. No, Actually, I can't. Okay, great. Okay. That's the baby um, running around. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's Aww. a baby running around. My roommate is running around. Um, so uh, we don't really we don't really have an off button, to be honest, because when you're even if you go to dinner and the waiter is like doing something hilarious, it's hard not to say to the other person, okay, that's a scene, you know, or you know, yeah. it's hard not yeah. to be pitching. But we do we do shut it off and and sometimes shutting it off is when great things come because you're not actually working. You're not trying to grind and like squeeze the creative juice out. You're just hanging out or watching something or, you know, um, 
having fun. It's really honestly in moments of um, having fun that sometimes the best things come. So we'll shoot an email at that moment and then we'll try and move on. But you know, some of our, some of our best material is in emails sent from a party we're at, you know, at one in the morning. I mean, there is endless comedic material to be had in this town, just walking around. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, even though the show is like this show set in Las Vegas and it's about being cast out of the industry because we are also, you know, commenting on the industry, there is a lot that we experience that, you know, fits right in. Oh, I bet there's some pitch meetings with some classic lines. I bet there's stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And, you know, we we try and lovingly skewer the industry, you know, in a way that isn't like the bulk of the show, because the show is really about the off, like the moments behind the curtain, you know, and the moments that are not in the spotlight for Deborah in particular. But um, but yeah, she's still she's still a woman of show business. You know, she's still a showbiz vet. So. Are there any any scenes that you wanted to work into the storyline that you haven't been able to that would might maybe kind of surprise people to know about? Um, well, there are things because it's current in my mind. I know that in season three, there are a bunch of things, particularly for Jimmy and Kayla that were like, that's a great story, but we really always try and make all of the ensemble in the show. Um, all of their stories dovetail with, you know, Deborah and Ava's story, because at, in the, at the end of the day, we pitch this as a character study of this woman, but also her ecosystem and all the people in it. And so there are a lot of things that were like, oh, especially as they try and get this new business off the ground. There was a lot in the writer's room that we thought would be really funny, but just felt like was too tangential to the central engine of this season story. Um, trying to think if there were things. For, well, there have been things in the past that were actually, again, I don't, I'm sorry that this is just like a tease, but there have been a couple stories that we've considered for season one and for season two that we're now finally doing in season three. That so, is a tease. Damn it. I know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, no, I can sorry. I can just see that it's so probably tempting to have to riff on Jimmy and Kayla's conversations, and I mean, they got to have a spin-off at the very least. <laughs> well, from your mouth okay. to HBO's ears, I guess. But yeah, we um, Let's but we uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we haven't really done. Well, last year, you know, they went on the road. Deborah mm. and Ava are you know sort of doing this tour and and working on her material. And there was a lot of stuff um, that we considered doing. I mean, there was one storyline where they rented a car and Ava insisted on getting electric. And of course, out in the middle of nowhere, there was nowhere to plug in. And so they're stranded for the night. And, you know, we also thought, well, would it be great if somehow Deborah and Ava got arrested for one thing or another while they were on the road, you know, by some like that's awesome. you know, one stoplight town sheriff or whatever you know there were there were a bunch of things in like the the road trip story that we thought would be fun but you know we try and be pretty judicious and um think about you know the season arc and stick to it you know which i think is why our show doesn't ever really go much more than 30 minutes we pretty much stick to um that as our target mm-hmm. um but you know there's always there's always things that end up not happening that you're like, oh, that's great. And, but again, we try and incorporate it if it makes sense for the future. Again, them being in the middle of nowhere doesn't make sense this year, but there mm-hmm. are other things that we're, that we're bringing out of storage. 
I'm hoping for some juicy guest stars. I mean, we, Laurie Metcalf as as the sort of drill sergeant tour manager was just comedy gold. You know, we wrote it with her in mind and we were like, this would just be such a dream. And they say, don't meet your heroes because she is a hero of mine and, and Jen and Lucia is also. But in that case, it's like absolutely meet your heroes because she is so funny, so good, so professional, so fun to work with. We ended up, I think like the third day, because she shot with us just for, you know, over the course of a week. And I think the third day we brought, we had like 20 pages of alt jokes for her. And normally on the day, you don't have a lot of time and you're like, okay, try this alt or try that alt. But we trusted her instinct so much that we just gave her a booklet. And we were like, here are all the alts. Use any that you want. Try your own. She was just such a pleasure. And we, um, you know, she's also shooting the Connors. And so that was a show in production at the same time, but we moved mountains to make it work. We were like, we will, we will wait. We will find the time because she was so fantastic. And yeah, she was one of, we were so blessed with, you know, her and Harriet Harris and, you know, Jane Adams is technically a guest, but was back for season two as um, Nina, Ava's mom. And she's so, so unique and so dynamic and so funny. Um, she's another one that we've admired for so long and are so happy as a part of the show. Um, and this year we have, a really great um honestly we have a lot of great guest stars there's you've got that little smile that tells me you're not going to tell me anything but it's going to be good it's going to be really good um no i think i think uh hbo will announce them at some point but we we feel really lucky We're, we're working with such great people it's it's bucket list stuff it really is yay i can't wait well you know i've loved this show since day one Thank you. It's Thank you for your brilliant. support. Thank you for watching it. Thank you for, for Well, that. me and my editor, Joe, just honestly, every time the screeners come out, we get the advanced screeners, we're on the phone to each other just going, oh my God, have you seen them yet? <laughs> that is so nice. Oh, thank well, you. It's just great. It's great. Um, the fact your English means even more because, you know, all we like is BBC stuff, you know? Well, I can tell, you know, you know how I can tell is that there is such a hallmark of um, British humour and yeah. shows that are inspired by that. And it is always, and I, I call it the flea bag, flea bag um, marker, basically, is that you have the perfect balance of comedy and pathos and you never make, let anything be too funny or too sad. That's really important. And I appreciate you saying that because we are really, really conscientious of not making anything too broad and not making anything too melodramatic, but really, but also making it all feel real and very well observed and true to life. Um, Because I think, you know, especially for women like this, who are comedians, they can make jokes, which sometimes you see in a show about non-comedians and you're like, well, it's a pretty well told joke that's in, you know what I mean can sometimes take you out but and we really get to have our cake and eat it too because we get to do the hard funny we're doing a show about a stand-up comedian but also you know especially with people like Gene and Hannah and really all of the ensemble everyone is so so good that they're able to also do those more heartfelt you know more dramatic moments sort of with e- equal measure so we we really lucked out but that is something that we try and do um very much it is so, it is my absolute favorite form of comedy because anything that's that's either just pure comedy or pure pure drama it just it, it there's something about it's such a british cultural thing where you can never 
you can never be too sincere. Otherwise, you lose everybody. Mm-hmm. 100%. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we really, we feel the same way. But, and, and you know, there are takes, we, we go through every single take. And every take that we get from our actors is excellent. And they give us a, a, a great variety of, of takes. But um, we try and do that, you know, make sure that it's nothing's too saccharine or sincere, you know, yeah, and nothing's too broad or wacky. Um, There's always a moment at which you go there and then you pull it back. Just kidding. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. totally. We do try and undercut it. I um, love it so much. Well, I could talk to you and try and get season three bits and pieces out of you all day long, but we have 20 questions to get through. So are you ready? Do it. Yes. I sent them to you. I don't know if you had a chance to read them. I know you're very I good. looked at I looked at them briefly. Some of the things I was about to say about um my love of um British shows, I didn't say because I'm about to name those shows, including oh. posters on the wall. So you'll oh, see. Okay, you'll see. I'm ready. Yeah. Okay. So the first question is. Actually, I changed it from the one I sent you. So I hope this doesn't wrong foot you. But it's, okay. um, it's why do you think you do this job? Um, oof. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a way to say it without being so cheesy. I mean, I think I do the job because I love, because I love film and television so much. And I know the meaning it has for me. And I think I love making people laugh. I always have, whether it's, you know, on screen or in my life. So I think getting to make people laugh um, or just to escape for a little bit when the world can be tough is, is really why I do it. Of course, you know, there's an element of making people laugh that is about um, making myself feel, feel good about myself. <laughs> that I'm sure is also a part You're of it. You're only human. Yeah, I'm only human. I hate to say <laughs> it, but I'm only human. But I think also, you know, I, 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 I couldn't do anything else because I have such ADD. It's you know, I get to go to a location and shoot a scene or be writing something, or especially the fact that I get to wear a bunch of hats. Um, I just get to do a lot of different things, and um, so that's really creatively fulfilling, but also um, helps scratch the itch of my attention deficit disorder you know i don't it's not like i do one thing and i only do that one thing i get to do a bunch of things and i get to work with such great people and you know when you're on a set with an ensemble like this or the crew and you have this little nomadic family it's it's a pretty intense and, and amazing experience it's very rewarding what do you think would happen to you if you didn't have a creative outlet because that's really interesting to me at the moment thinking about people who have that creative drive and that creative imagination. And I think they can turn inward if they don't mm. do something with it. What do you think? Yeah. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, it would have to express itself in some way. I think it would have to come out. And I I think if I didn't have the outlet, I think I'd probably be more insufferable because I think if I went out to dinner with friends, I'd be making it a performance. You know what I mean? I think I would have to perform or I'd have to do something like that but yeah I love how um, you say more insufferable as though you're already insufferable to your friends <laughs> no 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 I'm absolutely the favorite of every single friend every single friend would say I'm the number one friend the best friend the favorite but they would but I shouldn't have said more good catch good catch writing <laughs> is rewriting and I think I, I would be insufferable period not more insufferable um but uh 
Yeah, and I think, I don't know. I would have to find something. I'm like, catch me like getting a sketchbook, you know, <laughs> like drawing. So I think it would have to come out because I do think you're right that if you don't have the outlet and you are someone with a creative drive or a creative person, I think everybody has, I think everybody has the, um, or most people have the desire to generate, to be creative, to do those things. And so hopefully they can find it in what they do. Um, but yeah, I don't, I would be less, I'd be much less satisfied as a person if I didn't have it. Do you remember the moment when you realized you wanted to do this? That's the hardest one. I don't really exactly remember. I know that I always like performing and I always like making people laugh and I always like making adults laugh, you know, like at the, like at holidays, we go to my grandmother's house and I have like 15 cousins, but I'd want to be at the adults table. <laughs> trying to be in on the jokes and trying to make them laugh. Um, but also I, I think, you know, in college I did, um, you know, I did theater and I did uh, sketch and improv comedy. And I knew I, I like spent so much more time caring about that sometimes than my actual classes that I was like, okay, that's the thing. And then when I went to New York, it was the same way. I had a day job. Um, and, but I was on like, I was doing Upright Citizens Brigade and I was like on... That's where you I was met also doing, Lucia. That's where I met Lucia, yeah, and, and Jen peripherally. Mm. And I, we also performed at the Magnet Theater, which was like another theater. So I was on like multiple teams and I would be, you know, going to grab food and like not eating it on the subway because people would give you dirty looks if you ate food on the subway. But then I would be eating it on my way to another practice with another group and then doing a show that night. And maybe I would have two shows in a night. And I was also, I tried stand up in the beginning. So I was doing so much stuff and then getting up and having a day job, you know, I, I was like, God, I can't wait until I can just do the other stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so that was another time that it was it really crystallized that not only could I do it, but also you, you got to see people, especially when you were doing stuff at the theater, you know, Amy Poehler at the time was still, because she was on SNL at the time, doing shows every Sunday night. And so you could see people who were working in the industry right there, 10 feet in front of you at this grungy theater in the basement of a grocery store, truly. And so that made it very real. Seeing it that close up, you were like, oh, it can happen. Because I'm from a really rural town uh, in New Jersey. Nobody in my family is connected to the industry in any way. And so it's. I think it is hard when you don't really, you know, even if you love watching movies and you love television and you love writing and you love doing all that stuff, Sometimes it's hard, I think, unless you see it up close and you're like, oh, that's really a job. It's it's a profession in addition to a dream. Mm. Yeah, I always am fascinated by people that come out of, well, not nowhere, but they don't have anyone in their family or their background that's sort of telling them that they could have that kind of life. Yeah. It's really interesting how yeah. it takes a lot to <laughs> to imagine a different kind of existence. It's yeah. Yeah. It does take a lot of imagination. And I, I'm lucky because my parents were always like, you can do whatever you want. And, you know, um, we're always supportive, but yeah, other than, other than being um, amateur comedians who tell jokes at family gatherings or, you know, um, out to dinner, it was like, I, I didn't have anybody that did it. So. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, was there an early childhood inspirational figure in your life? Well, you know, I think, like I said, 
going to those holiday parties and seeing my grandfather and my father and my aunts and uncles and you know my mom's artistic too i feel like seeing all of them was was inspirational but also you know i had a um theater teacher in high school um al romano who was great um you know every I think, episode i do yeah. the people remember their high school drama teacher with such love. oh yeah it's always oh, yeah. that person so Al Romano and Patricia Wheeler, Trish, we got to call mm -hmm. her by her first name. Very cool because it was the theater department. Um, <laughs> were so supportive and and made me feel like it was a uh, a worthy thing to pursue and something that I could do. And also, they they took it really seriously. They took it really seriously. I was also a swimmer, and so I couldn't do a winter show because I was swimming. Wow, it sounds like. <laughs> I was like, I was so programmed. It was really busy. It was really, really busy. I couldn't, you know, I can't sign, I can't attach to every show. But um, <laughs> but in my high school, it was like a big deal. Like you you chose one discipline to go into. Like if you were a musician and you played an instrument, like you did that and you had that class. Or if you were choosing to do um, theater arts, you were doing that. Or visual art, you were doing that. And, you know, so they had a, a all of those programs were really good. I was really lucky to go to the high school I went to and have those teachers. And then in college, I had, you know, um, Jody McAuliffe is a professor who directed plays and did, they had something I went to Duke and they had something called Broadway previews at Duke. And so they would preview a show before it went to Broadway. And I was able to like do tiny parts in those shows. So I got a, a lot of great um, inspiration from being able to do that stuff and study with those people. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Um, what about what posters you had on your wall? As a kid. So I had an absolutely fabulous poster on the wall. <gasps> oh, you did not. I did so. Oh I, my god, I, I can like... quote that every episode. Oh yeah. Oh, there's a lot of there's a lot of Abfab in hacks. Yeah. Or there's a lot of Abfab and Deborah, I think. Um the two of yeah. them, it's just yeah. I, I see know. that homage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A lot I mean, less there's drinking. <laughs> yeah, a little, a little less. There's, there's a little bit Patsy hair though. You know, there's, there's a little bit of Patsy hair going on for Deborah oh when she does her show. Oh my god, though. there is. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know what else I loved? And I had a cardboard cutout of Lucy Lawless from Xena Warrior Princess. That was my <laughs> other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that is so cool. Is it? I don't know. Yeah. No, How I love it? it. I don't know. Anyway. I love those it. The, I mean, how unusual two. to be a young man growing up in New Jersey and having mm -hmm. Ab Fab and Xena Warrior. I mean, that's cool. Well, that, you know, Comedy Central used to like do reruns of Ab Fab and they used to have like a premium blend where I saw Paula Poundstone and Janine Garofalo and like Laura Keitlinger and a lot of these female comedians who were so funny. And honestly, Comedy Central was a big part of my, um, you know, it was very uh, formative for me in terms of getting into this and loving comedy and that mm. kind of thing. And it was kind of like the experience of wanting to be at the adults table because a lot of the stuff in AbFab, especially for a kid, I didn't get, but I wanted to be in on the joke. And you could hear the live, you know, the studio audience laughing so hard. And it was like, okay, I, that is really funny for some reason. What is it? You know? And I always wanted to be in on it, but anyway. Yeah. No, I mean, I, it's so, it is also funny, like even, the more sort of drama end of the scale people that I interview on this podcast, they so often talk about the moment for them where they really felt that passion and they wanted to pursue this was making someone laugh an adult. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So often the reason. Yeah. And it's, it's, I get it. 
It's everything. Yeah. Yeah. What was about the first movie you ever saw in a theater? I was thinking about this. I think it's, I think it was the little mermaid. I, I honestly went like very, very young. That was, I think the first one that I remember going to. That's awesome. Yeah. A, a TV or film character that you wanted to be. Um, this is another hard one. Um, oh, well, I'm like absolutely dating myself, but I do remember watching MacGyver as a kid. Oh my God. And me being too. like, and being like, <laughs> I want to be like MacGyver. I want to figure things out. I want to like blow something up with fertilizer, you know, like, um, he was always making a bomb out of a bucket of dirt. Exactly. <laughs> and I was like, that's cool. I think for any kid, that seems like the thing, that's the best thing to do. Um, I also really, I remember, I remember being like, and maybe this is more because I wanted to play it, but I do remember the genie from Aladdin, you know, Robin yeah. Williams playing the genie and being like, I didn't want to be the genie, but I think I wanted to play the genie. You know, it's like, that's a good part. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, what about the weirdest job you've ever had? It's not that weird, but it was particular. I, I was a waiter at Tavern on the Green, which, you know, is like a I giant, yeah. like, you know, um, kind of iconic restaurant in mm -hmm. Central Park. Mm -hmm. And I was a waiter there for like two weeks and I absolutely hated it. And it was so hard and so insane. I wore a tuxedo in the middle of the summer outdoors. I was given oh. the like, garden section. You had to wear a tuxedo. It was really rough, but that How was, that was, a, like, um, yeah, I was like 21. And 20. it must've been like, but, you know, I was in college. So I was maybe 20. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Like a hundred degrees out or more wearing yeah, a sticky, gross. And also because there were career waiters there, like they made all of the tips. And then you made, if you were like a, a waiter in training, basically you didn't really, I was like, oh, you're going to make great tips here. This is like a really fancy place. You had to wear a tuxedo. Mm -hmm. no, didn't make much money. And no, was... there's like a scale system, right? The longer you uh -huh. can. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. harsh. Oh, that sounds terrible. Um, What about the last time that you cried? Um, hmm. probably like three or four years ago. No, just kidding. Can you imagine? Can you imagine when I was like 14 years ago? Um, <laughs> I honestly, it wasn't a full on, it wasn't a full on weep, but I definitely shed a tear. Honestly, last week we were shooting a scene and it made me really tearful because Aww. I think because Gene was tearful in it and it made, it was, you know, very moving to watch. We get to watch, and again, to, to your earlier point that we try not to be too dramatic or too broad in the show the the more emotional take might not be the one that ends up on the show but it was quite moving when I watched it in are you allowed to tell me what episode it is so that I can try and figure out the yes. moment when I watch it I, I will um it's episode four okay of season three my, I'll have my eye on that okay. um if you're packing your nuclear bunker what are you taking with you to watch? Now, how big is my bunker? How much can I take? It's unlimited, and there's electricity okay. in the apocalypse in this scenario. Excellent. Okay, good. So um, I'm taking Getting On. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll take both versions, British and American. Okay. Talk about loving Laurie Metcalf, and also Gene Smart was on Getting On. Oh, but Getting okay. On is probably, like, my favorite show. It is, like, I think very much exactly in, like, the target of the kind of humor that I like. Um uh i'm taking i'm taking succession because i have seen 
seasons one and two multiple times. So I'm like, I know I can get in and just watch over and over. Um, I'm taking hacks. Sorry, but I would watch. I oh, would watch. I hear I would you. To watch. <laughs> I'm taking hacks. Um, trying to think. Um, you know what? I could probably watch over and over, and I haven't seen some of them in a while, but I grew up loving Alfred Hitchcock movies. And mm. I feel like that, if you're going to have like a box of things to watch, those would hold up. I used to love watching. I mean, I, I, there are a lot of like classic movies that I love all about Eve or Sunset Boulevard. I do love watching those. And they are ones that weirdly, I don't know, maybe it's because of the black and white of it all. You can watch and be like, oh yeah, I forgot about this. Or, you know, it seems like new again when you rewatch yeah. it. One of my, um, my black and white faves is The Last Picture Show. Yeah. Oh, such a great yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Sybil Shepherd. Wow. She was amazing. Totally. Um, do you have more? Sorry, I went off on a tangent. No, no. I, well, you know, okay, I'll give you some of my other, like, tops. Uh, Young Frankenstein. Mm. Love it. Could watch it. Watched it. I've watched it. Used to watch it until the VHS. Again, dating myself got hot. And my parents were like, if you're going to melt the VCR, you can't. Did it get um, the stripes in the middle where it starts to like. Yeah. 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 Um, I think I eventually jammed a VCR with mm. it, you know. Um, um, you know, what's heartwarming and I have always loved and I've mentioned before being in my top 10 is Mrs. Doubtfire. Love that movie. Really? I love Mrs. Doubtfire. Wow. Yeah. Oh, there's a Robin Williams theme I'm noticing now as I'm talking about this. You what? Um, I said there's a Robin Williams theme. Well, yeah. Team. I mean, you of know. course. What a genius. Um, yeah, total genius. What about your dream dinner companion, living or dead? Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Would love to have dinner. So you've met Still her living. before? I have, I have. Yeah. But I'm like, let's have a dinner. But but yes, I have. I have had the chance. We've met a couple of times. I'm sure we worked together on, on a little um, sketch for the Emmys. And so I got to work nice. with her, which was so great. Yeah, yeah she's brilliant. Um, okay. What was the toughest time in your career so far? The toughest time? You know, it was probably... Um, it's so funny because there's a, there's a nod to this in... The first episode of season three, but okay. the toughest time is the beginning when you're hustling and you're still waiting tables and you just don't know if it's going to happen. And, you know, you're doing a million auditions and not getting anything. And, you know, you're seeing some people that, you know, um, in the comedy scene actually make it. And you're just like, wow, it's one in a million. You're like Ava um, Daniels in this moment. Yeah. It's very much like Ava mm -hmm. and it's, it's really, it's really, that's, I think a really hard time, but it's also a really fun time because the, you know, the time that you're hustling is really fun. Um, you know, it's like the more responsibility you have, obviously the other stressors that come. So, but it is, it is always so scary when you're living in a studio apartment where your shower is in your kitchen, Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> you're trying to pay the rent and you're doing like open mics and improv shows and it's it can be bleak it can be really bleak especially in new york which is where i started because it's you know it's a tough town and it's hard you know it's expensive to live there and in the summer it's a thousand degrees in the winter it's like negative 1000 degrees and you know it's yeah. tough but it's a great place to be when you're young too because it's very creatively inspiring and you meet really great people and you really 
build muscle because you have to be tough. Mm. But there's something great about as scary as it is when you're young and starting out, there's something great about that phase before you've been so thoroughly disappointed by something. You know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, there certainly have been moments where I've pitched something and really believed in it and then nobody's bought it and mm. the show didn't happen. And I was like, oh, this. And I've I, there are certain things that I've looked back on and been like, wow, how different life would have been if that had happened? You know, if that had been green because I think people would have really loved that. So, so those moments are really hard too. But at that point, you're you're at least getting in the door and getting to pitch it. So there's a little bit like you're buoyed by the fact that like, oh, you're in the room and you're getting to to pitch something that came out of your brain. Um, yeah. Wow. So Lucia and I did that many times and, you know, it's about shots on goal. And, and that's the thing that you start to realize that the ones that do happen, the goals that you do make are so few and far between, you know, you, you start to also celebrate the little wins, you know, when somebody does buy a script, but then they don't make the show and it's so depressing, but at least you saw the show. Yeah. 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 But, you know, and then, like I say, it's like when you're younger, that that matters more. And then as you get older, that sort of thing feels like a dagger in your heart. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What was the time a project got in your head and you couldn't let go of it? It's probably hacks. I mean, you know, it's probably, this is something that's still like, especially when we're in it and we're in production now. And um, I like go over scenes in my sleep. You know what I mean? I I dream about coverage and about shooting the show in my sleep. If you can call that sleep, kind of like prepping prepping for the next day. So I don't know if that's fully sleep, but um, I think it is hacks. That's been the one that sort of um, penetrated all of our lives, I think. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, that makes sense. Um, What would be the advice you'd give to your younger self? Have more fun. Don't worry so much. I wish that I, you know, cause it's hard. You always, I'm not the first person to be like, it'll happen. Don't worry. Cause if you hear that advice, I think it's really hard, but I, I think because I, I was, I was grinding so much, always grinding so much, even in school, but also when I first got to New York, I wish I had, I wish I had relaxed a little bit more, you know, you don't have to do something every single day, even though that's, Maybe you do. I don't know. But it's worked, in a way, there, there were certain <laughs> things that I did that I certainly didn't need to care so much about and worry so much about and spend so much time on. There were certain things that I'm like, I could have just chilled a little bit. But it's hard to know at the time because maybe those all those times where you were grinding is what got you here. You, It's so impossible to know. I know. I know. I know. So it's funny. I go back and give myself that advice, but I might not take it. Right. Yeah. yeah, you can only take it in retrospect when, yeah. you know, you're safe and it's all okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's the time you were starstruck? It's interesting because I feel like being starstruck is like you're speechless and you're like, ooh, I can't like, I can't talk to that person. But I will tell you that during season one of Succession, I was at an event and I saw Sarah Snook, who plays Shiv. Yeah. And I, I was starstruck in a way that I, but I wasn't like nervous. I, I sprinted over and I was like, I love the show. It's so fantastic. You're so great on it. So I wasn't starstruck. In fact, I was, 
Maybe I was starstruck because I was talking to her about loving the show so much. I was like, I love it. It's so good. You're fantastic on it. Everyone on it. And I'm just going on and on and on. And it was cool because she had seen Broad City, which I had been on. And she was like, yeah. well, I love Broad City. And so it was a really lovely conversation. And then Amy Adams came over to her. Again, this is like the first Emmys after Succession season one. And I feel like it was beloved, but it wasn't as big as it became after, I think, maybe maybe during season two or, you know, after first Emmys. Um, they had, and Amy Adams came over to be like, I love the show. Da, da, da. And I, and I didn't leave. I was like, isn't it great? Here's another thing I love. And I continued until both Amy Adams and Sarah Snook were a little bit like still going on. And I was like, sorry, I have done my thing. I'm going to, I'm going to mingle. I'm going to go. But I was starstruck enough to go on and on and gush and gush. I think that's cute. You know, um, I had Kieran Culkin on this podcast a little while back and he sort of ended up being one of those great episodes where he just, I could, I mean, he might take issue with me saying this, but I could just tell he really didn't want to do it. And then it, because he's just, he's pretty tired. It was the end of a long day. He's got yeah, yeah, yeah. multiple children, things going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever's happening in his life is busy. Um. I don't mean to sound like he was churlish about it. He wasn't. But I just, I was like, oh, this guy is like tired and he's just not wanting to do this. And it was a perfect example of when you just end up turning things around because you end up having a really good chat and a laugh. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. such a pleasure. Uh, anyway, that's if good. you get well, the that's, chance That's to a testament to you. That's a testament to you being... being... Well, him, him being nice was... <laughs> <laughs> Both, I suppose. Yeah. But that's sweet of you. Um, okay. So, what is your proudest working achievement so far? And I want to be real specific here sure. because there's a lot of things in general that you could talk about with, say, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but say you think it's hacks or, or you know, um, if it's hacks, is there a particular scene? that you pulled off or something that was really challenging that made you really proud? Yeah. Um, it might not be hacks. It might be something else. No, it, it is. And it's good to, to, to ask um, that question because I think, you know, in the show, there's a lot of moments that I really, really love. Um, and a lot of those have not to not much to do with me. I mean, you know, it's like, it's about the acting and it's about the shooting and about the direction, which most of which is done by Lucci and my partner and, um, and the writing. And there's just, you know, whether it's the writers or the crew or the cast, there's just so many people that make these moments amazing. So it's hard to be like, I'm so proud because I did it. Um, because I didn't always, you know, um, personally, as a, as an actor, I'm really proud of both that quitting scene and also the she's all right. She, he's okay during the shooting of the special. Oh, I love that scene. I, I do too. I really love well, doing that. The moment where De Deborah says, I'm so glad that guy's okay. And there's just a micro pause. Yeah. 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 Yes. Such a moment. Yeah. Um, I am as well. Yeah. It, I, so I'm proud of that as a performer, as a director, I'm really proud of, um, well, I'm proud of a couple of things, but it, season one there's an episode where ava has her one night stand and then her fling jumps out of a window Sorry i love that off. episode because it's just so chaotic and so it's, it's just it's like wild. lapstick crazy brilliant it's oh. really wild but i love the i love the moment of her getting in the elevator and 
putting together what has happened and then walking in the hall to the room. I, I love how that turned out. Mm. Um, yes. Yeah, really from, from a writing standpoint, I mean, again, I, I wrote it with Lucia and Jen, so it's not about me, but I'm really proud of um, the finale of season one at the funeral where Deborah kind of like interrupts the eulogy and is like, this isn't how it's done guys. <laughs> and kind of does crowd work to make it good. Um, and uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of little moments. And again, I, I really, it's hard to be like, I'm proud of, of of all of them, but some of them I'm just proud of, you know, I'm proud of Jean in, in season two in the finale. You know, I'm, I'm like proud of the work that she did. <laughs> There's just so oh, many moments. Yeah. That, you know, I mean, what um, about that, that bit of dialogue though, which in, I think it's the first episode where um, she screeches to a halt in the, in the driveway and cuts over off and they have that, that back and forth. It's just such brilliant writing. Thank it's you. Yeah. The, so the workshopping of the joke in the driveway is like the heart of the show is then like yeah. not being able to resist doing that in a way that comedians can help punching things up or pitching on a pitch or, and that, that is, and that took a long time. That was rewritten and rewritten and rewritten. And, you know, it's hard because you have to think of like the bad version of the joke, the better version of the joke, the, then the best version of the joke. There, there's, that was a really challenging right. piece of writing. It um, feels really real. Just everything, the setup everything i loved it so much um what is the most meaningful feedback you've ever had well that's a good question the best and most important feedback is feedback from lucia who's Mm. my partner but also my director a lot of the time Mm. um and i think the best feedback is that it you can tell when i am having fun or anybody really, any performers having fun. And so to just throw something away and have fun with it and not overthink is I think the best feedback mm. because that, because that is feedback that works not just in one moment, but in any moment and truly for, for any performer, I think, but particularly for me who again, does wear a lot of hats and is thinking about a lot of things. Sometimes it's like, don't think about the thing, just have a little bit of fun. Be in the moment, enjoy. Yes. Yeah. Um, what job do you think you'd be doing if you weren't doing this? I might be writing in some way. Maybe I'd, you know, work at a magazine. I don't know. I don't really know. Mm. I don't really know. Um, Are you into fashion? I'm into, I, I, sounds like I'm like a slumlord or something, but I do, I do like looking at Redfin. I do like looking at real estate. So maybe I would oh. flip houses. Maybe I'd be doing that. Yeah. You know, maybe I'd be finding a house and like, Fixing it up a bit and then selling the house and okay. pitching it to HGTV, you know, being on the Warner Discovery platform in some way. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, you'd be shocked the amount of uh, of people in the industry that I talk to who have a secret obsession with HGTV and interior design. Yes, it's a, thing. a lot of people. Yeah, oh, I get it. I do too. I'm, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Um, who is your current hero? That's a tough one. I know. It's a really tough one. Yeah. It's a really tough one. You can skip it if you don't have someone in your head. Let me think about it. I'll send you an email. Yeah. I have a lot of heroes. I have a lot of heroes. It's a a tough, tough pick. Um, Who would play you in the biopic of your life? Oh, wow. Um, Well, I don't know if they've been born yet, but um, (laughs) of people living... I'm like, it's so weird because I'm like, I'm thinking of people that are older than me. I'm like, Martin Short. I'm like, LOL, Martin Short. <laughs> yes, but it's all a fantasy, right? So imagine yeah. you're, you're old in this scenario. Yeah, okay, okay. 
Yeah, let's say Martin Short. I, I think that's that. awesome. Yeah. Who doesn't love Martin Short? Yeah. Amazing. Uh, and last one, what is your all-time dream project? Like if you could uh, do anything. Right. If I could do anything. Mm-hmm. And are you asking about like something that exists? Like there's a book that I want to make a movie or are you like. Well, it could be something that exists or it could just be you going, oh, you know, I, I want to make a horror movie or I, you oh, know, okay. it something right, abstract. Right, right. It could be anything. Yeah. I um. There's a movie that I'd like to make that um, I, I feel like I would love to be making uh, a movie that is that has a tone similar to Hacks and that it's funny, but also heartfelt, mm. um, you know, a little Miss Sunshine vibe. Um, oh, God, so good. And so I have one that I want to make and that Luchi and I wrote, but we haven't had the time to do it, but I would like to do that. That's a dream. Oh, so project. you've written it. This is exciting. We've broken it. We haven't written the script, but we've broken it. So we do, you know, it's outlined. Um, How exciting. Yeah. Make yeah. it happen, please. I would love to. <laughs> it, it would be a dream. It would be a dream. I love that thought. Well, listen, thank you. You've been such a good sport. Really. Thanks for having me. It. Oh my it's gosh, this was an absolute pleasure. Had I not wanted to do it, I would by now. But <laughs> I, I did in the beginning. So thank you. And thanks for so sweet. being so kind about the show and oh well, I can't help it. Oh, wait, one thing I meant to ask you. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have in your heads? an ending to this story and is it like several seasons ahead like because most people have like a a dream scenario in which they get x amount of seasons yes and they write to the end of that yes we do we pitch we pitched the ending and and i've i've said this before but we pitched the ending to almost every place that we pitched except hbo max because as i mentioned um susanna macos said i got it i know this type of person in fact was so in that she was like, have you read Betty Reynolds' autobiography? Have you read Lauren McCall's? Have you read, like, you need to read those. You need to read those things and sent us those books. And so she didn't actually hear the series finale episode. Now that said, you never know. Things do evolve as you write and as you, you know, write toward actors and um, discover things in the writer's room. So I'm not saying that it's absolutely that, but yes, it's, it is seasons ahead and we did have a plan for it. And we've, we have a plan for, We've had a plan for most of the seasons. We knew she would be on the road. We knew vaguely what this season had uh, in store. We know uh, most of what season four has in store. So we know the sort of tent poles of the seasons. And we do know ultimately where we think it ends. Tantalizing. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can wait that long. Um, <laughs> Well, if thank I see you. In person, I'll, I'll tell you when we're not recording. I'll tell you. Yeah. I'll no. I, yeah. You can. Yeah. And I will sign an NDA. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> um, it was lovely to see you. Um, nice good luck you with yeah. everything with the shoot. Um, I can't thank wait you. to see what you come up with. Thank you. I can't wait for you to see it. Thank you. Okay. All right. Thanks. Bye, Paul. Thanks for listening to Twenty Questions on Deadline. For more episodes, subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to read our awards line magazine at deadline.com.